For those who don't know, the National Sports Media Association's right in our backyard in Winston-Salem. Every year, the NSMA celebrates the best sportscasters and sports writers in every state and nationally, and we've spoken to many of the winners who would have been recognized this summer if not for the pandemic we're going through. National award winners like Kevin Harlan of Turner and Woj at ESPN. Dan Patrick was with us, and he was set to go into the Hall of Fame, as is or as was our next guest, Michael Wilbon of ESPN's Pardon the Interruption, spending time here. Michael, appreciate your time with us. Congratulations on the honor as well. How much were you looking forward uh, to being a part of the NSMA festivities in Winston? Well, anytime you're honored like this in your your industry and and with that peer group in mind, and you're mentioning people that I know in every case, and they're sometimes socialized with anyway, in addition to Kevin Harlan, who luckily I last saw at a dinner. <laughs> a dinner was at least it wasn't just at a uh, in an arena. A uh, dinner I can't remember what city we were in with Charles Barkley. We were, must have been like during the during the NBA Finals, and that's been almost a year ago. Sadly, uh, no, it had to be since then. It had to be in the fall when the season first started. But you know, Dan Patrick, who you know held my hand through my first sort of NBA job. He and Scotty Pippen didn't put up with me, and I, you know, I'm 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 tremendously saddened by our inability to, you know, convene in June as we were going to do after another NBA Finals and NHL Final NHL Stanley Cup Final. We were going to do that and and see each other, and hopefully we'll we'll do it anyway. But um, honored to to have it happen. Saddened that it won't happen on schedule. Um, but you know, those, these are all people that I know. And in most cases know well, we're, we're going to make it happen probably in 2021. It's going to be bigger than, uh, ever. Just make sure when you come down here that you iron your suit because we were making fun of Tony Kornheiser. I mean, it probably bothers you to no end that he was inducted last year, uh, before you and man, he need, he didn't <laughs> iron his suit as all at all. I don't know what he was doing. Iron his suit. I, I've never ironed a suit, so I don't know what it was wrinkled. It was wrinkled. I think that was the larger. What part. happened with his suit? I think it was just wrinkled, a wrinkly suit. Okay, well, he better get to a dry cleaner. He better not be handling the iron himself. I, I, I won't. I, that, that I won't have happen. Uh, but no, not only does it not bother me that Tony went in, it was, um, I was thrilled that he went in, and he certainly is as deserving as. Yeah, you know, just about anybody uh, in in that fraternity now. And so Tony was one of the people who was uh, the first to congratulate me when he heard I was I was being honored. So that's uh, believe me, there's no not even one second of professional jealousy there. But now I want to see a picture of this suit, and I wonder what the heck he did with it on the way <laughs> from Washington, you know, down the down to, down to North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, um, and I think. I said iron. I meant dry clean, of course. Michael Wilbon with us here on Sports Life Track. Uh, man, it's it's cabin fever, man. We're all indoors. It's tough. Michael Wilbon is with it us. Is. I'll tell you somebody who doesn't iron his suits. Michael Jordan. And speaking of speeches, I've said his Hall of Fame speech in 2009. It was probably the last public representation of what Jordan was like 
as a player. And some people criticized it at the time when they saw the fangs come out and you saw some of the trash talk. I remember you were talking to him around that ceremony and you've gotten to know him, of course, and we're excited about the docu-series that's going to launch launch on Sunday, the 10-parter, the last dance that I hear is just fantastic. Uh, you're going to be a part of this as well. And I'm wondering how good of a job do you believe this documentary does of capturing what Jordan was like as a player, the side that we never saw? Well, I, I haven't seen it. I'm not going to watch it until it airs. I'm not going to take a sneak peek, even though I could. Um, I'm not going to do that because I want to consume it the way everybody is consuming it. As a, doc, as a documentary event, which is what it's being called, and that's what it is. It is an event, particularly. It would have been an event during the NBA Finals if it had been airing as scheduled. But now in these times when we have next to no sports content, um, it is definitely going to be an event. And I am told by people who watched it that it is riveting, compelling. Those are a couple of the words that I've heard from other people. Again, can't offer any testimony firsthand yet. But just given what I've heard about it, what I know of it, and having sat for, sat for a, a few questions, um, I, it's going to do a great job. It, it's Michael. It's Michael deciding, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about all these things that I didn't talk about publicly over that period of time. And, and, and the last dance is not just about the last year. It's really about his career as seen through the lens of that last year and um, in the context of it of not going back, of, of having some finality. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see it, even though, look, I know, I know some of it, but I know there's a lot of stuff in there that I have no idea about. There's going to be stuff talked about from plane trips with the team, and I'm sure on buses and in the locker room, and uh, just things that Michael's decided to talk about publicly for the first time, and, and I'm, I'm excited to see that. Every day this week, we're going to have somebody who got to know him, either playing against him or playing with him. Johnny Dawkins from UCF, the head coach there who played at Duke all those years, of course. He's going to be with us later in the week. And uh, Joe Wolf played with him with the Tar Heels, now the head coach of the G League's Greensboro Swarm. We're talking with Mike Wilbon here on Sports Hub Triad. So I remember reading one of your stories, and you described Michael uh, you were doing a story on Alonzo Morning, I think, and he learned that you were writing that story, and he said he's not going <laughs> to score that night. And you even said Michael made sure to remind Georgetown guys, Ewing, Alonzo Morning, about the game-winning shot, which you covered in New Orleans in 1982, winning the national title. Um, I, I mentioned all that to set up this. How proud do you know Jordan to be of his days in Chapel Hill? Oh God! I mean, they set up everything, which he's not. Look, this is—he he didn't go to school in a one-and-done era. I mean, here's all we need to know. He—he he cried. He shed tears, real tears, when it was decided that he wasn't going to go back for his senior year. And I, you know, I've listened to him tell the stories about talking to Coach Smith and crying when you know. I, I'm sure his parents and Coach Smith talked about what they thought he should do and made a strong recommendation, and Michael didn't want to do that. He loved his time in college. I mean, we, we've talked about that all the time. Um, and, you know, look, I, I've had a chance to talk about a lot of these things in informal settings and formal settings. And uh, You mentioned Johnny Dawkins, who was one of my favorite people on the planet. 
He's awesome. And John, I got to see Johnny Dawkins play in high school in Washington, D.C., um, where I have lived my entire adult life and, and wrote for the Washington Post for 30 years. And I also live with a wife who went to Duke Law School. So I got with his classmate of Jay Billis. <laughs> so I had to hear all of that North Carolina, the Tar Heel Duke stuff back and forth, which I don't care about because I didn't grow up on Tobacco Road and I didn't go to an ACC school, but I had to hear a lot of that. My wife and, 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 and Michael and Johnny and Michael and all the people that Michael comes in contact with who he loves that he loves to wear his Tar Heelness on his sleeve, on his chest. I mean, it's famous that he wore the, you know, the shorts underneath his basketball uniform. He loves it, loves it, loves it, loves it, loves it, and uh, loves everything about his time at North Carolina. And I think anybody who listens to him knows how he wears it. Man, he he wears it. It's a badge of honor. This is not like, you know, these guys who you see introduce themselves as pros and say they're from so and so high school. No, no. Michael Jordan, you know, he would say, you know, if he was being introduced now, you know, and, and, you know, from North Carolina, like in the Chicago introductions in Chicago Stadium and the United Center and, for, you know, and from North Carolina. That's what it said. And that's what he was proud of. It's NSMA Hall of Fame inductee Michael Wilbon joining us from ESPN. And I was reading a story from Richard Dice of The Athletic yesterday who has watched much of The Last Dance, which again, debuts Sunday, the first part of a 10-part series, parts one and two, I should say, Sunday at nine o'clock. And this is something I found interesting that the director mentioned in a conversation with Jordan that didn't make it into the doc. He said, as they were just getting to know each other, he asked him the question, and this is from Richard's story, why do you want to do this? And Jordan said, I don't. And he responded, why not? And this quote, I think, stands out to me. He said, when people see the footage, I'm not sure they're going to be able to understand why I was so intense, why I did things the way I did them, the way I acted, and why I said things the way I said them. How concerned do you believe Michael to be about his image as this documentary series is set to be released? Well, I know that's 100% rings true because... Look, there are things, there are times where I thought, well, I, there are conversations that we had off the record. And I had gone back to him and said, hey, let me use this. This illustrates whatever it illustrates. And it could have been like months later, years later, decades later. And there was sometimes when Michael goes, all right, you know, you're fine. Go ahead and use it. I'll, I'll, put it. I'll put it on the record so you can use it in a story. And there are times he said no. And I would say, why do you care about this? He said, people are going to go crazy. They're gonna, and I'm like, you're Michael Jordan. Why do you care? And we would go back and forth about this. And I, and I knew he cared. I knew he cared. I didn't understand all the time why he cared. Just because that's my sort of thing. And it's funny, like, there were, there were things where, you know, Charles Barkley and I, Charles is one of my dearest friends. And there are things that Charles would say or write. And I edited two of Charles's books. And Michael would see me later or call me and say, if I said that, if I could never get away with saying what Charles said. And I said, yeah, you could. You just can't care. You can't care about it. You can't care about the reaction. And he does care about the reaction. And that's who he is. You know, that's who he is. He is very different. You know, there are three. I'm fortunate to have got to work with Magic Johnson in addition to knowing him already and covering his career and knowing him. I worked with him for the better part of eight years at ESPN and ABC. And he and Michael and Charles are often compared. Obviously, those guys were really the, the core, the dream team. 
and 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 they've had these relationships and they played against each other and they're so different. They're so, so different. And Michael does care about his image and how he's perceived. And to the point where I have said, why do you care about this? And I know that story. And that story dealt in part with Scotty Burrell. And he uses an example with the director. He said, listen, I might've screamed to him. I might've gotten him every day. I might've done this so that I, I could get him to a place where I thought he'd be ready for the pressure and the distraction and the grueling nature of the NBA finals. And I don't know that people are going to understand why I was doing that. I think the answer from the director was, okay, then this is your chance. This is your chance to make sure everybody understands. And I'm glad he took him up on it because I, I think I understood most of it, most of it, not all of it, but I, I did understand it. Um, Magic did it in, 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 a, in a way that was different than Michael did it, than LeBron does it, than Kobe did it. Then, you know, if you want to go to other sports, then maybe with the way Tom Brady did it or does it, can't put him in past, term, past tense yet. But, yeah, I, I know that. That is not some put on. That is not something that Michael was saying to hide behind something. That's how he felt at the time in real time and really staked out that territory and said, no, I'm not going to move outside this because I'm not sure how people are going to perceive it. And I owe my teammates that protection. Brought to you by the director that gave us the Entree the Giant HBO doc and also the Fab Five 30 for 30. Uh, it's going to be the last dance Sunday, 9 o'clock, being joined by Mike Wilbon here on Twitter, at Real Mike Wilbon. You can shoot him a follow. He is an NSMA Hall of Fame inductee for this year. But um, I mentioned the Hall of Fame speech, and you're talking about things that bothered him. Like he could have, he could say the things that Charles Barkley uh, says, but he just, it would bother him the way people would criticize it. How much do you think him being affected by slights and not wanting to slight others um, is a is a big part of his career? Because he has David Thompson speaking because he didn't want any of the Tar Heels to feel slighted by choosing just one of them. And also his Bulls teammate teammates as well. And you mentioned all these stories. He had Leroy Smith, the guy who made the varsity high school team at Laney High School in Wilmington at the ceremony. He talked about Brian Russell. Um, how much do you think that is an integral part of figuring out Jordan, this idea of slights? Well, it, it cut both ways. Because <laughs> he there were times when he went to great, great lengths to protect people that he wanted to protect that were close to him, that meant something to him. Um, and then there were times where he, he perpetrated the slight. I mean, when he invited him to the Hall of Fame ceremony, I thought that was great. Because like you said, when we started this conversation, I think all of that reflected who Michael was as a competitor. Um, and I, I take it as it is. I know people who love him who were so offended by the Hall of Fame ceremony. I, my, my brother, who is a banker in Chicago, is probably, I mean, there's no bigger Jordan fan. He had season tickets at the Bulls games all of that time that Michael played, all of it in Chicago. He's, he's, he's as big a Jordan you know, fan as there is. And the whole, he called me up after the Hall of Fame speech, and he says, I can't believe he did this. And I'm like, dude, what did you think? Who did you think he, he was? Why did you think he was able to be the player that he was? And people don't get it. That's, that, that's the point that Michael talks about. People don't get it often. But I, I think it cut both ways, and I think it was a big part of 
who he is, but the people he's protective of, I mean, like Coach Smith and some of the guys he played with who aren't as famous, roommates and teammates and people that are important to him his whole life. I mean, those people, man, Michael would take you to the mat to protect them and to demonstrate uh, how he felt about them and his loyalty to them. Last thing for you, I know in conversations with Kornheiser, you guys aren't allowed to talk about golf outings with the former president of the United States, Barack Obama. But I don't know if that rule applies to the GOAT, Michael Jordan. Do you have a good <laughs> golfing story regarding Mike? I don't. I, I mean, I I mean, not really. Um, it's funny. And we don't want to talk about the outings with President Obama. I, the funny thing is no one's ever asked me. I don't, I don't think anybody's asked Tony not to. We just don't. I mean, that those are, you know, I think the interesting thing for people who've been reporters and paid to make things public um, for decades is that there are times we don't. We're not interested in that. And with Michael, I'll tell you one. So I was playing in a, uh, I was playing in Michael's event in the Bahamas, and Jerome Bettis and I were partners. And we were probably playing better than most people. Bettis is a much better golfer than I <laughs> am, and, and I was even then. He was like a six handicap when I was an 11. Yeah. We're playing pretty well. We're playing pretty well on the final Sunday, and we're making putts, and we are we're rolling. And we I don't know that we can win it, but we you know we're not out of it. And across a fairway, from his green across to our green, comes Michael striding to talk trash while we're trying to make a putt. And it was so like I, I just remember thinking, I'm finally getting trash talked in a competitive circumstance by Michael Jordan. Now I know how this feels. Believe me, it had happened before, whether on deadline or writing something. If you got beat on a story, Michael would say to you if he knew you well. Yeah, you know, I don't know if that's a big story. Peter Vesey had that last week. What do you, <laughs> uh, Michael knew how to, he just knew how to do that. It was, it was what we all did. He just carried it to an art form level. But on a, on a Sunday in a golf tournament, Dennis and I trying to, you know, <laughs> trying to win, and it just his voice just comes in this stride across the fairway, and Jordan comes across saying something like, "You can't make that putt. That's it's outside your range." <laughs> and it was just it was hysterical. I loved it. <laughs> and I think one of the things I, I grew up on the south side of Chicago. I I grew up with some of the great trash talkers. No, maybe none of them famous. Uh, maybe some of them famous. And I grew up with those guys, and this is what we did. And it did not intimidate me, and that's how I lived from, I don't know, eight years old to, you know, in my 30s when I stopped competing in anything except golf. And I think because I laughed and because I loved it and because I wasn't intimidated by it, I think it's one of the reasons that Michael felt more comfortable talking to me. He knew I didn't take it the wrong way. He knew I enjoyed it. And he knew that some part of me, while I was no good athletically, <laughs> athletically by the time he met me, he knew that that this had been part of my life, and I, I, I knew the context of it. He did this in tennis, too, um, back when he was taking tennis lessons. And I don't know if he took them formally, but he, he was starting to play more tennis. We were in, in, in the Dream Team summer. And he was talking trash to me with a tennis racket in my hand, and it was just funny. I loved it all. And so I, I don't take it the wrong way. I think he's right. I think that Kobe Bryant also had a great measure of this. Is one of the things they shared. Um, and Kobe always felt, sometimes I would say to Kobe, let me put this on the record. Let me write about this or talk about it. And he would say, you know what? I know you get it, but I don't know that the viewers or listeners, readers, I don't think they're going to get it. 
Let's keep it off the record. And those two guys were very similar in that way. I think it's one of the bonds they shared that they knew they had to go to a certain length to get the result they needed to get athletically, competitively. But it didn't mean everybody was going to understand the buttons they pushed. And uh, I know Michael feels that way. Like I said, I know he feels that way 100%. And I hope that people get a real glimpse inside of why he operated the way he did and why he sought to protect certain his teammates and coaches and people that were close to him, why he sought to protect them from the outside world knowing about it. Storytelling. That's what we all shoot to do, whether it's sports talk, whether it's column writing, whether it's television on part of the interruption or something else. And I think what you've demonstrated in the last five or ten minutes, the stories you shared with us, justify the fact that you are going to be an NSMA Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Wilbon. Uh, I've admired your work for a very long time. I look forward to hearing more stories when you come down to Winston-Salem, hopefully in 2021. Don't iron your suit. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Don't well, iron I won't your be suit. Ironing the suit. <laughs> I would never catch the end of that, but I'm, thanks for having me. Let me just add as a PS. Please do. One of the things people are going to find out during the, the, the documentary, Michael's a great storyteller. A great storyteller. Um, you know, I'm still not, I, I, to me, as a, as a journalist, not even that I am one anymore, but I certainly have been, and I wear the hat occasionally. Stories that are off the record, they go to the grave off the record. Somebody's grave. <laughs> and there's some stories that I still, I don't think are going to be in the doc. And I'm still, they're off the record. They, they are that. Unless I call them and say, can I use this? But I know that people are going to glimpse of what, going to get a glimpse of what a great storyteller Michael is has become, was he that as a young man? Yeah, he was. But then he became more comfortable with it. Uh, and I've been on the good end of many of those stories and nights where the stories were told and my editors would say, what you guys talk about? And I go, eh, nothing much. <laughs> so, so those stories, I, I hope people are going to get a chance to see them starting Sunday night. I'll, if, if they don't, I'll file it away and uh, I'll, I'll try to get them, out, uh, get them out of you at the after party at the NSMA after, uh, next year. So thanks for spending the time, Sounds Michael. Good. It's good to hear from you. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You got it. He's on Twitter, at Real Mike Wilbon, the NSMA Hall of Fame inductee from Pardon the Interruption and ESPN. Mike Wilbon joining us on today's show. That was a real treat.